Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and TJ Mann. TJ, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So as we always do, let's start the show by asking if there's any particular good wines that you have found or anything that you'd like to share, could be beer, with the with the listeners as they listen to this topic that is around cybersecurity, which requires something to go along with it. <laughs> yeah, well, as far as wine, eh, it's not really my my thing. So we really haven't tried anything new. I know Heather keeps trying like all the flavored pineapple or whatever the season, is. <laughs> season is that's coming around for me right now. We're in summer beers, so yeah, I fall back on Sam Adams Summer Ale. The, <laughs> that's my favorite one to, to drink at this point of the year. I guess I'm so weird because I even like like stouts and porters this time of the year, even though they're heavier. It's kind of like my wines. I still like, I mean, I will go with some whites occasionally, but I still like my dark reds. This podcast is going to be coming out in. I think the end of June, beginning of July. And Brent and I are traveling out to Oregon, the Willamette Valley area. So I've been looking at all the different wineries that are out there. And we've been kind of trying to put together a list. There's been several that we've come up with. I mentioned, I think in one of the podcasts that I recorded recently, I mentioned one called Innocent, St. Innocent. (laughs) That was a fun, fun winery. But there's a few others that are, there's a whole kind of like it is here in the Finger Lakes. There's a bunch of different, you know, wineries that are in the area. And so Brent and I are are going to put together a list. So for uh, for August, I'll have a whole list of wineries that I have visited out in the Willamette Valley area, and I'm super excited. They're Pinot, they're known for their Pinot Noirs, so I'm really really looking forward to that. I'll I guess stay tuned for additional information if you're looking for Oregon wines. Sounds like a fun trip. It will be first vacation in a long time for he and I. That's a true blue like shut down and you know focus on hiking and relaxing. So I'm excited. Well, let's kind of dig into the topic that I I think this is something we've heard a lot about lately is cybersecurity. So I wanted to, to have a conversation around the particular topic in general, because a lot of people are asking me questions. And I'm certainly not a cybersecurity expert, nor are you by trade. But we know probably more than the average person, I would guess, around cybersecurity. I need to know it for the business purposes. And You've just 
kind of taken an interest in general about the, the topic and have implemented and given suggestions to a lot of people. So maybe maybe just kind of topic by topic, we can, can chat about it a little bit. Lately, what I've been hearing more and more is questions about cell phones mm-hmm. and whether or not people like, are their texts encrypted? Are there, you know, is some stuff flowing through cell phones encrypted? Is there links that they're getting that they shouldn't be clicking on? What are your thoughts around cell phones and even landlines? So, I mean, with cell phones, I mean, of course there's, there's open-ended stuff that happens all the time, but there are ways to prevent it. You know, with, with Android devices, there's certain apps that you can get that will have end-to-end encryption, which is always nice. As far as like, like your banking apps and and things like that, as long as they're from a secure store, so either the Android store or the iPhone store directly, not sideloaded, nothing weird mm-hmm. going on, they are extremely safe. Encryption end-to-end, everything's good to go. Now that's that's saying you know that's for a later topic, but that's on a secure mm-hmm. network as well. Yeah, um, I think that's an important, <laughs> important, important part of it. But yeah, and yeah. even knowing like, how does somebody know if it's end-to-end encryption? Is there a way that they can investigate that? I mean, like I said, if you're downloading from a safe store, mm-hmm. so Google store, your Android store or your iPhone store, those are for the most part, especially the Apple store, those are fleshed out. Those are set. And if they get, they can't, they can't work around that. Like they have to, in order to be on the store, they have to be safe. Side loaded apps though. Those are the, where the real problem lies. And if you're side loading apps on your store, on your phone, then basically any app on your phone could be Mm. vulnerable Okay, because that's where malicious code can come into play. Most of the time. Of course, some stuff slips through through, you know, the the Android store, but those are usually in games or in weird things. Mm. If it's if it's a legitimate banking app, you're you're going to be pretty safe. Okay, as long as you're on a secure network. I mean, as a, I'm looking at an article right here, and I'll put it in the show notes. This is a quote from the author: "If you download a mobile app from a secure store, that is just as safe as visiting a bank branch." And this is said by Paul. Uh, Benda, he's senior senior vice president of risk and cybersecurity policy at American Bankers Association. Okay, so, so a pretty a, reputable source. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if if he's saying it's pretty safe, you're you're good to go. He also says further down here, banks use extremely secure high end encryption technology. We like saying that bank apps are like having a bank branch in your pocket. So as far uh, as that goes, yeah, as far as that goes, that's where you're going to be good to go. But in the same article, as you read down through it, that's where I'm talking about those side loaded apps that can have stuff that can mess with your, you know, that can put code on your laptop mm-hmm. or on your computer or on your phone. I mean, sorry, mm-hmm. that can kind of supersede that. And that's where you just want to be the safest. If you're side loading apps on your phone. Putting um, yourself at major risk. Right. And, yeah. and basically for the people who don't know, side loading just means you're getting it from a store other than a secure store. Like so there's the only Apple really store. like three out there that I would say are secure. There's, there's your, sta- your standard Androids, Google Play Store, your Apple Store, and to a certain degree, the Amazon Store, where you okay. get like your Kindle apps and things like that. There's others out there, but I don't ever touch them. There's just, you know, 
basically everything safe is on those three stores for the most part. So let, I guess let's talk a little bit too about the links that come in. Like, like what was it recently that I saw? It was like the Department of Motor Vehicles. It was some kind of scam that came through. Like you have unpaid registration or unpaid, something. It was some scam. I mean, I do get text alerts from some of these organizations that tell me like it's time to renew and that sort of stuff, but they generally don't have links in them or if the link, you know, like the link usually is more of like, again, text driven. Have you seen a flare from that perspective at all? For sure. I mean, I get, I don't know, my, my, my number must be out there somewhere. I get, I get <laughs> stuff all the time that comes through text. I just send it to spam. Just be, you just have to be super mindful and play. Yeah. I think on that, on that play it better safe than sorry type thing. Mm-hmm. If, if you think it's legit, don't click the link in the email or the text, go directly to the website. Right. Don't call the number that it came in on, get the number directly from the website or from wherever it, it, that's, I think the safest route for any of things like that. I, I try never to click links in email text the phishing scams have become very sophisticated and it's it's just if something doesn't smell right (laughs) just just go you know go the go the safer route and go directly to the website i generally don't and even if it smells right maybe still do that too just to get yourself into the habit right if you weren't expecting the email or the text you know if you really weren't expecting it, if you didn't click something that said, send me an email or a text, then I would stay away from it for the most part. How about things like VPNs? I've I've got an app that actually I can put on my phone as well as my iPad and you know my computer and everything. Are they a good way to protect you? I mean, they can be. The best thing about a VPN for, for people who don't know, a VPN is, is stands for Virtual Private Network. And what a VPN kind of in layman's terms does is, is you take your connection and connect to a central server somewhere, wherever you connect it to. So mm-hmm. say that server is in New York City, all your data would go through a server in New York City and then out to the website that you're trying to, to reach. That's the, you know, the, the easy definition of it. Mm-hmm. The Best part about a VPN, though, is that traffic is now encrypted from end to end. So as soon as it leaves your phone and goes to the network in the middle and then jumps to whatever website you're going to, all that traffic is encrypted. Okay. So that's a huge, especially when you're like on public Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a hotel or a coffee shop mm-hmm. or anything like that, if you're just browsing the internet, you know, you're probably fine. But if you're checking your bank accounts, if you're doing any type of anything with sensitive data, I think a VPN is an absolute must. I have I have one on my phone. I have them on my computer. And then just for the fun side of a VPN is it allows you to kind of circumvent some geolocation things. Okay. Um, so... Basically, let's say, all right, here's a great example. I wanted to watch the Yankee game a couple days ago. We're in, I'm in New York. We're blacked out. So I connected to a VPN in the West Coast out in California. So now it thinks my computer is in California. That is not in network. Yankee game came on. 
I got to watch the Yankee game on MLB TV and I was excited because I don't have Yes Network. <laughs> so I got to watch the game just sitting at my computer and and that was kind of cool. So just kind of being able to circumvent some of that stuff. Also, if you're like in another country, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're, they block certain websites. You can mm-hmm. connect to a U.S. server and boom, all those websites mm-hmm. are now open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of um, our military clients have that issue, right? They have problems with certain access to certain websites, especially financial websites. I mean, I get why they're the financial websites have the access block, but that that is how they've gotten around it is to connect to a VPN that is U.S. based. Yep. And then again, because it's encrypted end to end, that is a pretty safe connection. So you're going to be in a pretty safe spot as far as all that goes. I definitely highly, highly recommend them. And do you recommend that it always be on or only on like networks that, you know, like, so if you're at home, do you recommend that the VPN be on at home or do you recommend that it only be on like when you're in? I mean, if you're, if you have your router configured correctly, no, I I don't have my VPN on at home hardly at all unless I need it for whatever reason. But people don't know how to configure the router though, do they? Correct. Well, most, a lot of people will just use the router that the, ISP gives them. Mm-hmm. And that might not be the safest option. It's also not a great router, let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But if if you have a router, your own router, you can set your own security things. You can set your own passwords. You can make sure your Wi-Fi is secure. You can secure your network. You can even create a guest network. So if you have people that come to your home right. and want to get on the Wi-Fi, you can give them access to the internet without giving them access to your whole network. It, just having a router, I think, is is you know security one hundred and one for your home. But I think for the most part, you don't really need a VPN at home. I would say it can potentially slow down your internet only because you can only go as fast as the as the VPN can go. So say you have a one gig connection, but the VPN only has a hundred megabytes. Uh-huh. You're only going hundred megabytes. Okay, you're going to max out at the speed of the VPN. So it can affect performance, basically. It can, potentially. Now, if you're on your phone and like, I usually have my on at work because I connect to the store's public Mm Wi-Fi. So I turn my VPN, especially if I'm going to be accessing anything Mm -hmm. while I'm there. Mm -hmm. So my VPN will will be on on my phone while I'm working Mm -hmm. and then to turn it off later as the day goes on. And so like... For most people, where would they find a VPN? I mean, just a simple search is going to give you, and I can put a link in the in the show notes. I just pulled a one up real quick. It's from security.org. It has the top, their top 10. I've used three of these in the past and okay. I've tried all three. I've gone back and forth to, I personally, I, I don't want to say I recommend, but I personally use private internet access, but NordVPN, yep. there's, you know, ads out there all the time. They're, they're the number one, one. Yep. Great, great service. I've used ExpressVPN and I've used private internet access. And actually my antivirus suite has a VPN built in as well. If I wanted to use theirs for an additional I cost. I think like Avast has a VPN now too. Mm-hmm. If you use them, I think they have a VPN. So I, I think there's, there are a variety of different options that are out yep. there for sure. Yeah. Yep. I like I like private internet access because they have a great price on long-term subscriptions. Like I think a 3 year is like a 3 year subscription is like $90. So 
So it's $30 okay. a year. Okay. Where yeah, if you go monthly, bad. if you pay monthly, month to month, it's $12 a month. So, I mean, 30 bucks a year, that's not bad. I think Nord is maybe around the same price. It's, it's um, just a touch higher, but yeah. great. You know, again, another great service. And, and and having that on your phone, does that encrypt text messages too? No. Like, okay. Not necessarily. Encrypted text messages are going to be kind of something different. Messenger for Android, the, the default messenger for my phone anyway, can have it on as long as the other user has it on as well. So like certain, there's a little lock that comes next to the text that comes on and that tells me that that's encrypted. If you're basically, at least through Android, if you're going through uh, standard SMS, those are not encrypted messages. If you're going through their internal things, so like me, the wife, and the kids all use the same messaging app, so all of our texts are encrypted okay. among each other. Okay. But if I'm texting someone, like on an iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, they don't like to play together. So if I was texting you, you have an iPhone, right? Our text won't necessarily be encrypted. We're just standing sending standard SMS texts at that point. So when you're so, sending that kind of information, so let's just talk, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you it just kind of came into my mind, like sometimes people will send some pretty confidential information over email and or text. And I think there's a false belief. I mean, I, I think, I hope that people know not to send things over email, just in general, it's been published enough that emails can get hacked, especially if people's passwords aren't super strong, or if they don't have like, multi-factor authentication or Google authentication or something, but also text messages can get hacked, right? I mean, it's something that happens and it's, it's not a good idea to send too much confidential information that way either. Is it? Oh no, I wouldn't send too awful much over text ever. They just, they can just pull that out of the air. Basically Uh, a, a sophisticated enough hacker. If they want your information, are going to be able to pull it and but don't make it easier for them. Yeah, don't make it easy. Right? <laughs> There's so you many. Know, I mean, there. What do they spend? Like an average? It's not very long. Like somebody will try an average of so many minutes, like to get in. And if if it's too hard, they'll just move on to the next person because yeah, it's still easy take, for somebody else. Yeah, they're going to take the easiest target. Yeah, just protect yourself by you know what? Why waste their time trying to get a hard target if mm-hmm. they can just move on to the easy target next door? So just having some sort of basic security. And then of course, just being mindful of what information you're putting out there. Yeah. I mean, even if you're mindful, like, like me, I've been pretty good and my information's out there, you know, that we've had to deal with it and you know, my, all my credits locked down. I mean, I have still have a great credit score, but that's because you helped me (laughs) get my, get my, my credit reports locked down and frozen up so that nobody could open accounts for me and And some fraudulent activity happened that's required. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, I mean, that's, that's a, that was huge. Just being mindful and being and monitoring what's happening, you know, because I monitored it, I knew second something happened and was able to head it off before anything major happened. (laughs) Fortunately, it was just five o'clock in the morning that it happened, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) The emails always seem to come in in the middle of the night. They get the longest, they get the longest time for, for stuff to go wrong at that point. And, you know, if you're sleeping, they get two, three hours before you see the email. Right. A lot can happen. Yeah. So if you can catch it quick, uh, you're good to go. It's one of the reasons that I always tell people don't ever put your banking information, like when they offer to use like debit 
for information. I'm always, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm somebody who believes very strongly, like use your credit cards responsibly, pay them off at the end of every month. Right. But this is one of the reasons why I believe that credit cards are better because if something is tied to your checking or savings account, yes, you can get it back. But when it happens on a weekend, it takes until the next business day for something to actually get corrected. And if it happens on a Friday night, you're stuck with it until Monday morning, where if it's on a credit card, you can actually just call the credit card companies. Most of them have 24-7 service. Tell them that there was fraudulent activity. They're very happy to take those kinds of reports because normally if you can get it within 24 hours, they can actually stop the charge and save themselves money. So it's, that's one of the reasons what I tell people never to put their checking or debit card information out online, because I know in some cases there's an additional service fee if you don't do it debit or ACH. But for me, that's like an insurance policy. I just look at it from that perspective and say, well, yeah, I might have to pay 3% more, but I also don't have to worry about my, <laughs> my waking up one morning and having my checking account wiped out and you know bouncing checks or having to deal with something like that at the banking level. So for me, it's kind of added, or I might not work with that. You know, I might just say, well, there's other providers out there that don't charge me that fee. It's just part of doing business. So I think that's important. And, and also just thinking about I mean, we're kind of talking about how to protect ourselves. One of the things that I often talk to people about is just like know or be aware of like the antivirus or malware software that or blockers, I guess you want to say that are on your system and and keep those up to date, right? Or or make sure your operating system is up to date or software is up to date. Is there is there a process? And and if if you don't know how to do this, I would say take you know, like go YouTube it. There's tons of stuff out there that you can watch on YouTube videos to learn how to make sure that your operating system is updated, your software is updated, and that your antivirus program is running. Do you have any recommendations on antivirus or malware protection software? Is it like whatever comes with the computer or would you add on to that? I mean, you have to weigh performance to protection, I suppose. And I try to find a balance. So there are certainly antivirus software suites that are super comprehensive, will keep your computer really safe at a cost of performance. Mm. You'll, you'll lose some performance on your computer. So if you're a video editor or a gamer mm. or something like that, you may not want to get something super system intensive, but there are plenty of options out there. For years and years and years, I went completely free route and... I have just used the Windows Defender that was on the computer alongside of Malware Bytes and a couple other tools that I use to keep the, my computer clean. Mm-hmm. Had very, very, very few issues with with viruses over the years. You know, I should knock on some wood, and it's been it's worked out fine for me. But that's again, like I have safe browsing habits. Yeah, you know, so you know I don't take those risky clicks. And then nice thing about I just, you know, within the last year, started paying for my internet service or my my antivirus suite, and I just got a one called Bitdefender. And Mailwarebytes did this as well, but it actually will block bad websites. If okay. you click on something, you get a big thing that pops up on the screen and says, "Hey, this is not a site you should be going to. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go there anyway?" Mm-hmm. And you say yes or no. At that point. You've been warned mm-hmm. or you can click the link that says, take me back to safety and you yeah. go back and you're back on the previous page and 
you, you're good to go. And I, the reason I chose Bitdefender is because it has a lower system impact. Hmm. It's a solid, solid. It was, I did my research again, tried to weigh my benefits and things like that. Malware Bytes is another great program. Mm-hmm. I've used it for years. Mm-hmm. A lot of friends, you know, I'm kind of the unspoken IT guy at, uh-huh. at work. IT guy without the without the credentials, I suppose. And I'm clean. I clean computers up for people. So <laughs> you know, they they give me their computer, and it's got some virus on it, and and it's yeah. you know I'm trying to fix it for them. Mailwarebytes has been huge for me over those years. There's other I mean, tools, that's, but that's something that's pretty. It's pretty challenging because sometimes those viruses are, you know, they have like tentacles that get into all sources. So cleaning them is a challenge when you have that situation. It's not. It's not most for the faint of heart, I would say. Yeah, most of the time with those, it's just a system wipe. You, you got to mm-hmm. start over. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, I have been able to save some systems, like stuff, and then you set them up for success in the future and hope that things work out at, for them at that point. So again, it's all going to fall back on safe browsing habits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're going to shady websites, shady things are going to happen. Yeah. 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 So that's things to be, be cautious of. How about like passwords? Do you believe in like password managers or anything like that? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I like you use LastPass, mm-hmm. but there are plenty of others out there that do similar things. Password is another one. Yeah. One password. Yeah, and and all one. the, a lot of the antivirus suites out there have yes. a password manager built in as well. Highly, highly recommend password manager because it'll do a couple things. One is that it will check, at least LastPass does, it will check to see if you're reusing passwords mm-hmm. across multiple sites. Gives you a score. Um, It'll tell you what your score is. Yeah. Yep. And and you can work on changing different passwords for every site. And as long as you don't forget your LastPass password, <laughs> that's pretty critical. Uh, you can have very strong passwords on every website mm-hmm. and they can all be different. Yeah. And there's apps for your for your browser. There's a browser extension that will just fill them in for you. There's apps for your phone mm-hmm. that will fill them in for you. Yeah, they, um, they require you to re-authenticate every once in a while. And the other thing is that with at least with LastPass, I know that you can actually have like a backup person. So you can actually name somebody as a backup to have access to your LastPass account in the event that you were disabled or disabled or passed away or something like that, then somebody would have access to all of those accounts that are online, right? So everybody seems to bank online, have investment accounts online. Nobody's getting statements anymore. A fair number of people aren't. So, you know, I would guess that it's, that's a safety mechanism. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like with banking, all the banking sites, my banking passwords are, you know, ridiculous thing. <laughs> Mine too. Heather needed to log into the bank account last night on her phone and <laughs> I had to pull up LastPass to, and show her the password so she could type it in. So like, and she's like, what is that? And I was like, that is a real password. <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing too, with regards to passwords and, and password managers that I want to point out is that doesn't mean like your Chrome or your browser, like your actual internet browser should be used as your password manager. I'm not a big fan of that. I would rather have a separate. Do you agree with that? Yes, 100%. How about uh, those pesky fun phone calls you get that Microsoft is claiming to connect to your computer that they've noticed a virus? That's been something that I think more and more people are aware is, you know, fraudulent. 
But is there any time anybody would actually call you and say that they need to connect? They noticed virus activity and they need to connect to your computer. No, never. Long and short. Long and short. And what if never happen? (laughs) And if you if somebody does do that, just hang up. Like just don't even or or even mess with them. That's what I do. How about we talked a little bit before about the ISP and the router security. Even if you do have one that a organization has given you, like your, let's say Spectrum gives you the router, right? You should, I've always told people, you should change that router password and make sure that the Wi-Fi password is also something that you can change. Like the number of people that just go with the default, I'm always saying change your default the thing is, it's more important actually to change. I I think if you're only going to change one, it's probably more important to change the router default, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, let's say here, here's a great example. I have a Netgear router. And all you would have to do is type into Google Netgear router default password. And you have it. Mm. It's there. So no matter what, if I don't change it, that is searchable. That's a searchable fa- password because when you factory reset a Netgear or a Linksys or any of the other br- brands, they default back to whatever the default password is mm-hmm. that's in their documentation. It's there from day one. So like if I'm helping someone at their house, let's say set up their, their network and they forgot their password to their router, all I do is factory reset it. And then I Google their password and then start over. That's, it's so simple. It's, it's such a easy hack. You don't even need to be a hacker. You just need to know how to type yeah. in order to get that password. So absolutely 100% have to change that password day one as soon as you're setting it up. Never need if- to default. What if somebody, you know, like, let's say the company sets it up and you tell them that you need access to change the, the router password and they don't let you. Is there a way to circumvent that? Like, like a spectrum? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I know my, my internet provider let me change everything from day one. I, I don't have spectrum. I'm not hundred percent sure how theirs work. Mm-hmm. They may have a, a, like a random string so that they have access to it. If mm-hmm. it's like a random number that's not the same as everyone else's, I don't have a problem with the yeah. ISP's password to the router itself. But there is never going to be a situation where they you can't change the Wi-Fi password. So push back, basically. Well, no, like, I'm just saying like for router security in general, like like logging into the router to make system setting changes. If that's a mm-hmm. if that's a random string of letters and numbers and characters it's probably relatively safe. What I'm talking about is like the actual Wi-Fi password. Oh, the Wi-Fi. Yep. Yep. Okay. That one will always be changeable. And that one should be changed from, from day one to something that you want it to be. Yep. And Um, I also believe in, 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 if at all possible, I, I run like my internet of things on a whole different like guest network mm -hmm. than I do anything else just for, again, for added level of security. And also we've looked at, a system called Perimeter 30, let's see, is it Perimeter 81 or Perimeter, I have to look and see what it is now, Perimeter perimeter 81, I think is the name of it. Let me me make sure. 
It's funny, I have the system and I can't think of the name of it. It is basically something that you can put around, like it, it protects, it protects your like work system a little bit, just to, just to add a little, an additional level of perimeter 81 level of ready to, cause you put it on the machine itself. So it, it, it basically serves as a VPN, but it's a stronger, it's an even stronger VPN if you're on like all one Wi-Fi, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Looks pretty good. Yeah. I'm looking at it too. Um, yeah. I've never heard reasonable. of this before, but given you're in a different world than I am as far yeah. as, you know, you have to deal with was the FCC. Right. The and, FCC. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and all sorts of other different organizations that I don't. As, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, just a look overview really quick. Of it. Yeah. That looks pretty solid yeah. for something like that. Yeah. And because we are working from home occasionally, we really do need to have our computers on a separate sort of protective system to make sure that there isn't anything that does get in through, you know, through other other systems that we have running on our on our internet connections. The other thing that I guess I wanted to just kind of wrap up on is is kind of the web secure the browser security. You said, you know, avoid risky websites. And if you do risk if you go to risky websites, you're going to result in a risky situation. What are some of the ways that beyond like avoiding those risky websites, what are some of the things that you can do that would reduce or increase browser security, I should say? So one of the main ways like malware or spyware gets into your computer is through ads. They're, they're being served to you through ad servers okay, and, and cookies and different things like that. So you know, at least for your PC at home, it's a little harder on your Android devices or your iPhone devices, but at least for your, your computer at home, I, I love using an ad blocker extension. Okay. I personally use uBlock Origin. I like that it's open source. The owner of it says he'll never take money. He will mm. take money to whitelist websites mm-hmm. or ad servers. So, and it's all open source. So if you find a ad server out there and you want to add it to their, to their list, it can be added. What that does is, you know, you know, turn that thing on and and run Facebook and Mm -hmm. you have a whole different appreciation of what your Facebook experience is. Uh, Mm -hmm. All the ads go away. I actually (laughs) just kind of preparing for this podcast. I looked at it yesterday and, you know, I scrolled down Facebook for about you know, two minutes and I looked up and you block had blocked 80 ads. Wow. And just two minutes. Yep. And, wow. and actually the site I'm looking at right now on the you block origin, uh, online tech tips thing that I was looking at just to kind of have some information in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's blocking seven ads on this website. Wow. You know, it's, it just blocks things out and kind of cleans up your browsing experience yeah. Yeah. and it, it can, you know, all, you know, transparency, it can mess with some as far as certain websites like don't like to load or you'll get a banner across the mm-hmm. top that says ads pay the bills, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But and they're not wrong. But, you know, when when websites are free, there's a reason for that. Yeah, you're, you're the product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They want your information to sell it. So there, there's that. There's another extension I use. It's called I, I got it right from my antivirus thing. It's it's called Bitdefender Anti-Tracker. It was built into my my Bitdefender antivirus suite, and it's just a, a just a, an extension that goes into Edge or Chrome or Firefox mm-hmm. um, that takes off some of those tracking things. So those tracking sites. So you know how your your 
it is just uncanny. You're talking about, you know, you know, I, oh, I really need to buy a new car, blah, blah, blah. And you're talking about it with your friends. And next thing you know, you open up Facebook and you're scrolling down and there's an ad for you know, mm. the 2022 Fords. Mm-hmm. And you're like, huh, you know, little things like that. The, mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. Got, a, you yeah. got a little microphone in your pocket at all times. Yep. And yep. Uh, they say they're not listening, but they are. But, well, um, I mean, how many times does that happen that you yeah. know that it's not? It's, it's, yeah. it's uncanny. So just, you know, having some things set up to try to is nice. With Android, especially the newer versions of Android, you can turn off microphone access to any individual app that you want. Yeah. Um, so I, I generally turn it off on Facebook so that unless I'm using like Messenger to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. but you can turn it on to you know, ask every time. So oh. that way if like, hey, all right. So like you go in the Messenger and you click that thing and it says it, you get a pop up, at least on Android, mm-hmm. you get a pop up that says, you know, Facebook's trying to access your microphone. Are you going to allow it? You can click the mm-hmm. business. It's only this time. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. you have now right. have access to your mic. Because of the conversation. I mean, because you're trying to right. have that conversation. Yeah, because yeah. you're, you're talking. You're actually using it to talk to somebody. Yeah. So and I think, the, I think that's really important up. for people to understand that those are some of the like little things that can be done, right? I mean, those are... they're. They're not super expensive. They're just little tiny things that they can implement to protect their lives. And I think the other thing that a lot of people need to to do, I guess maybe one of the final things is I talked about not saving your passwords in your web browser itself, but also not saving your payment methods in your browser. Because if your yes. browser ever gets hacked, you've not only got all your passwords, now you've got your payment method in there. It's not safe to... So whenever... That pops up on your, you know, do you want to save this password? Unless it's a system like a password manager or something like that, I would highly encourage people to say no. But this is where people are going to ask, well, what about like, you know, the Apple iPay or Google Pay? Is it safe to have payment methods in those particular apps so that when you're trying to pay for it, like you order something and you're using your phone to do it, it, iPay always pops up as a payment option. Is it is that safe? Do you feel that's safe? Honestly, I feel that's safer than swiping your card. Why do you um, feel that way? Because now you're okay. So your information is now on Google's Google becomes your bank or your middleman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So each time, I, cause I use Google pay all the time. Okay. And now I, use, I mostly use it at Wegmans, which means I don't worry about Wegmans at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, right. But it, because they're not getting, Wegmans isn't getting my banking information when I put my phone up to that reader. Google's handling that. So everything's kind of going through that middleman. So mm-hmm. even if, say, somebody got that unique key from when I stuck my phone up there, it's like having the chip in your phone in your, uh-huh. your on your card. Every transaction has its own unique identifier. So even if someone got that information, they can never use it again. Okay. It's, it's unusable. It's it's like PayPal. Like a lot of people okay. get worried about PayPal, but I, I love it. It does not. So if I'm buying something from eBay or Amazon through a third party, if I pay them with PayPal, do it. If I get ripped off, they don't send me whatever it is. Okay. Maybe I've lost the money on that item. But they don't have my banking information. Okay. They only have that PayPal key that PayPal sent them or that Google payment sent them. 
that they can never use again. So yeah, if they ripped me off for a hundred dollars for the item I bought, maybe, Mm -hmm. and I can Mm -hmm. take that up with eBay or I can take that up with Amazon Mm -hmm. or I can take that up with, you know, whoever, but they don't have it. They didn't, they didn't get my credit card information Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on top of it. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a lot of, you know, skepticism, especially with like Google pay and iPay, but I actually feel they're very safe. Okay. Just as safe as that chip. You know, okay. that chip has is, is been a nice addition to cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Credit card companies have loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it saved them it's, some headache too, yeah. Yeah, because each each transaction has its own token. And that token, that number, that special encryption number is, is a one-time use only, and that's it. And it can never be used again. So I'm I'm a huge fan of it. I, I recommend it. But again, okay. like with a phone, if you're using it, you know, you have to have a password on your phone. Actually, it won't even work without it. Yeah, I literally you, you like if you try to set it up without a password on your phone, it will not set up. It'll say, no, we're not going to let you because your phone can be unlocked. Just well, it's interesting. I mean, I have not only like do I have a password on my phone with my thumb, you know, my thumbprint, but I also have a not a four or six digit code. I have a full password on my phone. And the reason yeah. that I do that is Simply because, you know, my, that's my traveling device. That's my, like, I, you know, I want to make sure that phone is super secure. Should I ever lose it? I want to make sure nobody else has access to get into that phone. So I've gone with a passcode instead of, I think it's like 11 or 12, I think how many digits it is, but it's a combination of word of letters upper lowercase numbers and symbols. Nobody else is going to guess that password ever <laughs> because it's a pass phase that only I would come up with. So, I mean, I, I encourage people to do that as well and not like draw the lines kind of thing. I mean, I, I would really see their thumbprint, face, you know, the facial recognition and back it up with that, you know, stronger password in case you ever lose it. There's just so much information that's on our phones anymore that it's too, it, it, it's really to have it that extra level of security, I think is super important. And again, if you want to know how to do those kinds of things and you don't know, YouTube is your friend. <laughs> like you can find any of this stuff out there or stop into like your Verizon store or your AT&T store or something like that. And most of them can show you how to, how to implement some of those things as well. Anything else that you would suggest that people do that we haven't kind of high level gone through? I mean, we could talk about this all day long, but is there anything that, you know, you want to, there's one thing that you do to protect your identity, to make it just a little bit harder so that, you know, you won't be the prime target. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would suggest? No, I don't think there's anything I wouldn't, I haven't talked about, but if there's one thing that you can do to protect yourself, it's passwords. Passwords. And then on top of that passwords, second, second factor authentication, like have a strong password for whatever Back to PayPal. It's a great example. It's annoying, but every mm-hmm. time I log in, I have to put my password in and I get in a second factor authentication yeah. sent Yeah, every time. You well, know. I t- I'll take annoying over, over being. <laughs> yes, 100%. Because if someone hacks my PayPal account, what do they have access to? They yeah, have access everything. to my entire bank account yeah. that I have connected to it. In multiple bank accounts, I have you know, two bank accounts connected to that, plus a credit card. So yeah. they have access to a lot of my financial stuff. And what can they do with PayPal? They can just send cash. 
Yeah. And they can just move money yeah. around. So having that, having that second thing. So, you know, if I ever get a PayPal code, mm-hmm. when I haven't logged into PayPal, it's time to change my password. Right. Because now I know that my, my password has been stolen. Right. That's the nice part about second factor authentication. It, it puts a block <clears throat> up, right? Yep. It locks everything down. And the second you get that notification that you, when you didn't request it, mm-hmm. you know that your password's compromised. It's time to change that password and move on. Because even with, you know, strong passwords, yeah. if a company slips yep. and they send that, you know, and they get hacked. But they, for whatever reason, didn't have encrypted their password list encrypted, which has happened. Yeah. Now your username and password's out there right. on, on the dark web somewhere. And someone's just going to type it in. Yeah. So having that second factor authentication on top of that, if that's an option for any of your sites, I definitely recommend that. That's yeah. where I think that would be the only, I guess we didn't really talk about second factor too much. On top of a password, second factor's huge. And second factor can be a text message, or it could also be a like Google Authenticator, or there's LastPass has one built in. LastPass, yep, all of those places um, have even an email. Read. Yep, even, yeah, even an email can be sent. Just yep. something, right? Yep. Well, TJ, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I think this is such an important topic for people to learn about and to to hear more about, and and really get an understanding of what how they can protect themselves and. And I think it's been a bigger issue lately just because more and more people are are hearing about it and and for good reason have concerns that, you know, they should should be protecting themselves. So I appreciate you taking the time and and we hope you all have enjoyed this podcast. Please feel free to share this with your friends and family. Make sure that you rate us out on iTunes that always promotes us up into the the ranking so more people can listen to us. We also are available on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. So again, make sure you share it with your friends. We want them to know all this information too. We hope you all have enjoyed. Have a great day. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.